Right, who's pleased to be here today? All right, it's going to be a good morning, isn't it? It is a good morning so far. We're happy to be here. Unlike the, um, the guy who got out of bed one morning and uh, moping around, he said to his mother, I'm not going to church today. And she says, you're going to church. And he says, no, I don't want to go to church. How many of us have heard that? Um, I don't want to go to church today. And she says, you are going to church. Firstly, you're 35 years of age. And secondly, there's a pastor. There's a guy who got up to speak, and um, the pastor of the church got up to speak. I don't know if it was the same guy, but um, got up to speak, and as he got to the lectern and turned around, the, the congregation could see that his face was covered with um, white bits of tissue paper with red spots of blood on them. And it was obvious that he cut himself shaving, and he says, it's my apologies, he said, I got up this morning, I got up late, and I was in the bathroom, and looked in the mirror, and I was concentrating on my sermon and I cut myself shaving. And he went on in his message, on and on and on, and didn't know when to land, a bit like this joke. And at the end of the service, he's standing at the door and a little old lady comes and touches him on the arm and says, listen, I've got some advice for you for next week. How about next week, you concentrate on your shaving and you cut your sermon. <laughs> <clears throat> if, we listen carefully, if we listen carefully on a on Sunday mornings, and I, I trust that we do listen carefully. We, and if we tie the threads together from different Sundays, we, are, we can often see that, that, that God is weaving a fabric or telling a story. And as I've looked back onto this year and uh, listened to some of the Sunday morning stuff again, I've seen that. You know, earlier on in the year, we had the, uh, the young American ladies coming out who did the Just Salted thing. And then we... Dean did a session on salt and light. And then we had, um, Aaron has done a couple of mornings on the seed and the sower. And then Misty did one, I think it was called ICU. Sounds like a ward at Hutt Hospital, doesn't it, ICU? But it was about reaching out to those who, who we would not normally reach out to, the, the marginalised of our community, and loving people as Jesus loved them. And then Dean last week talked about how we need to have a positive response to some of the negative and judgmental stuff that's portrayed by the church in our community today and the media and that sort of thing. And he talked about, in fact, Dean preached on the, um, the woman with the blood issue and how she reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And we are the garment that people do reach out to and touch. And we've got to embrace people. And, and um, so, uh, God willing, I want us just to perhaps weave a little bit more into the fabric this morning. So I want us to read some passages together. In fact, I'm going to read them to you. Um, Well-known passages that... that um, and if you could just put yourself... For example, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples on, on the shores of Lake Galilee before his ascension. So just put yourself there as one of the eleven and he's speaking to you. These words were spoken 2,000 years ago, but they're as relevant today. So if you can just, if you can just listen and place yourself within the, within the, the, the kind of the ear space of, of Jesus speaking these words, and he says this, All authority of heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And then later on, just before his ascension, he speaks these words. They're found in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I promise you this. Once again, you're, you're listening to this. You've, you know, you've, you've been through the turmoil of the crucifixion and not knowing if, if your Savior is alive or dead. Then he's, then he's with you for another 40 days talking about the kingdom of heaven. But before he goes, he says these words. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power and you'll be my messengers and my witnesses in Jerusalem then Judea, and then to the remotest parts of the earth. And later on, there's a couple of passage in, uh, passages in the Paul's epistles, and you're in a church in Ephesus, and the apostle who you have heard about has, has written this letter, and it's being read out to the church. There's only one copy, of course, but it's being read out, and he says this. We have become his poetry, his workmanship, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each one of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And even before we were born, God planned our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Isn't that good? And then you're in a church in Philippi. You knew, you knew at this church, it's a, it's a city where there's a lot of, uh, it's a Roman um, outpost, but there's a lot happening in there with different, different ethnic groups and there's a lot of kind of animosity and infighting and stuff, people just not getting along. But you're in this, this kind of room, it's a bit musty, it's, um, it's hot, it's, um, you know, and there's, there's people there you don't know, but somehow they've seen the love and the generosity of this community and they've joined up and you've joined as well. And you hear about this guy, Paul, who used to, go, who used to live in Philippi for a while, but now he's, he's in jail in Rome. But he's written this letter to the people he loves, and you're, and you're listening to these words. He says, go out into all the world, the world of Philippi, if you like. It's uncorrupted. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. And those words are as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've poured your life into us. You've poured your life into people before us, into the saints that have gone before, and the very words that we have written have been uh, written by uh, men who have uh, laid their lives before you, and you've poured your spirit into them, and now we benefit from that today. And we ask this morning as we... As we kind of reflect on what you've been telling us over the last few months, that you will uh, inject more of your life into us and more of a purpose and a destiny for what you've got planned for us in these days. Amen. Right. What is this? Anybody? Yeah, it's a pipe, but what sort of pipe is it? Turn the clock up. Stop the clock. Stop the, the turn, you know, push the chaser back. <laughs> what sort of a pipe is it? Drain. It's a drain pipe. Thank you. Thank you very It's a drain pipe. Now, this, this drain pipe is, it's designed with a hole at one end and a hole at the other. We know that. And generally in an elevated position to take water at the top free flow through the pipe and the exit at the bottom. And the effectiveness of the pipe is determined by 
a good inlet, a good flow, and an outlet that disperses the water. Is that right? Now, we also know that the, the pipe can have blockages, right? And the, there can be hindrances, there can be um, stuff in the pipe, there can be obstacles that will restrict the flow, okay? Now, this pipe is also me, okay? Now, some of you... This pipe is also me. I'm, did you hear that? It's me. Now, some of you are thinking unkind thoughts at the moment. You're thinking, this pipe is slim. <laughs> and Trevor's got a bulge in the middle. Shame on you for thinking that. But it is me. Oh, I'll prove it. I've, um, I've got a... Uh, there you go. There's a picture of me on top. It's my face, right? Isn't it? It is, but you can tell, can't you? Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Okay, that's me. Now, this pipe is me, but there are also millions of these pipes throughout the world. In fact, there's probably 120 or so of these pipes in this room. Because this pipe is not only me, it's also you. And we're designed, we've been created to receive the life of God the goodness of God, his characteristics, his blessing, and his, all that he has to offer, and then to dispense it into the world in which we live. Now, the saturation of our planet and the saturation of our community with the goodness and with the life and with the characteristics of God and his grace and his power is dependent on how good the inlet is how good the flow is and how unrestricted the flow is, and then the exit out the bottom. Now, we all know that, that sometimes the life of God doesn't flow through us as well as it should. Sometimes there's kind of, stuff happening in our lives. There can be obstructions. There can be some obstacles. There can be some stuff that either obstruct the flow or kind of taint it or... Um, discolour the, the, what is really a beautiful expression of God's life through us. So what are some of the, what are some of the things that, or the obstructions or, 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 or issues in our life that can obstruct the flow? Anybody? Bitterness? Anger, anger? yeah. Anger, anger, anger about what? Anger, what do you mean, rivalry? Anger, just anger at people, generally? generally. Yep. Work. Anger at work? Sorry. Yeah, is your bossy? <laughs> you are the bossy. <laughs> what else can obstruct the flow? Pardon? Depression. Depression. Yeah. And in what way does that obstruct the flow? Does it disempower us? Does it make us unworthy or what? Okay, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. What else? Yep. Fear. 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 Fear of fear of what we might look like if we stuff it up, yep. And that is true, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we can, we can be afraid that, that we're going to be asked a question that, that is kind of too hard or too difficult for us to, to handle or the fear of perhaps being... Um, being accused of having antiquated views in a more progressive world, you know, and we people say, hey, you don't still believe that stuff, do you? 
That kind of thing. And, you know, no, none of us like looking stupid, do we? He says, standing up in church with a drain pipe beside him. <laughs> what, else, what else is there that... Pardon? Envy. Yeah, how does envy affect us in terms of the life of God through us? Right, okay, yep, yep. And so we, because we're carrying that, um, that sort of a bit envy or bitterness, we're more reluctant to actually share the life of God. Okay, yep. Anything else? Sorry? Sickness, yes, sickness can certainly... How many of us have been sick at times and really felt down in the dumps and that has restricted us, you know, even having the life of God flowing through us? That's true, isn't it? Yeah, that can really, that can really be a negative thing. Okay, rightio, Christopher Dean. How about doing a builder's thing and pulling out one of these blockages for us? You meant to pull out the bottom one, but that's okay. <coughs> I know you're tall and you've got long arms and you've reached a long way up. That's okay. What does it say? Uh, not many friends. Not many friends. You know, sometimes I think Christians, we can be no mates, eh? We're, 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 no, we're okay in here, but sometimes we're no mates out there. Um, sometimes, I mean, uh, often it's, uh, it's been said that church people don't have many non-church friends. I guess that's, that's a block is right at the very end of the pipe that stops the, 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 the life of God actually not going to its right place. You know, um, In fact, there's been surveys done in the States where they've um, explored how long it takes for a, a, a person to be involved in church before they actually have no non-church, no non-church friends. And I, one of the surveys I read was something like an average of 10 years. And that's sad, isn't it? See, sometimes our focus can be on perhaps who we're, who we're most comfortable with, who thinks like us or who worships with us on a Sunday morning and when really we, the, the pipe has been made. I mean, the encouragement and the, the stirring of each other up is, is right. Absolutely, we need to. In fact, the pipe should have some branches off that, that, goes, that go into fellow believers as well. But the sole purpose of the pipe is not to be filling another pipe. The sole purpose of the pipe is to be filling a a, a parched world, right? Another one. Thank you for that, Christopher. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it can. But it'd be good if some of that overflow went out the bottom as well. The water, the, the pipe is not designed to hold water because it can stagnate. And sometimes the life of God, if it's not released and through in the right way, it can stagnate and it doesn't, that, that's not life-giving, you know. Yep. Someone else want to pull a, a blockage out? Who's going who's gonna to do that? <clears throat> sin. Okay. Can anybody tell us about sin? Are there any experts here on sin who could... <laughs> Could perhaps expound that a little, <laughs> and everybody put their hand up. <laughs> okay, silence. <laughs> sin is sin. Then, the, in the sense of guilt, the sense of 
um, carrying stuff that we know should not be in there inside here, it can really be a restrictive element to the life of God working through us. And not only this, the obvious sins, but sometimes it's the sins that, that are not quite so obvious. And, and they can have an insidious way of tainting or, or discoloring the freshness of God's life. You take, for example, pride. We're told that pride is the, is the worst of all sins. In fact, it's the, the a sin from which all the others originate. And so if you're in a discussion with somebody and it becomes an argument, it becomes an argument you don't want to lose. And that's pride, you know. And sometimes when you're talking with people, you, you end up... <coughs> excuse me. You end up um, thinking that you are better than they are. And there's a superior attitude that comes with its pride. And some of the judgmental stuff that we hear, I'm not necessarily talking about Israel Flower, but some of the judgmental stuff we hear is because we're proud. You know, and we just think we're better than someone else. And we judge them for it. We're not to be judges, we're to be fruit inspectors. Okay? So sin is something that can really block it. There's another two here. Fear. Oh, we've had fear, haven't we? Yeah, someone beat us to it. So you're not getting off the hook that quickly. Take that one there. Okay. I'll give it to Viv, she can read it. The world is... The world is hostile. Can't you? Oh, come on. Back to class, back to class. Sometimes, the, and the world is a different place than it used to be. Is that right? And that makes us sharing our faith a difficult thing. See, years ago, when I went to, when I was in Sunday school years ago, and they had, they had three buses. I mean, they had buses when I was in Sunday school. And they had three buses that travelled right round Upper Height collecting kids to go to Sunday school. And most of those kids were from non-church homes because their parents wanted to send them to church, to Sunday school. But that doesn't happen now, does it? And so we've come from a point of, of the acceptance, the acknowledgement of the Christian faith as being foundational for our society, now to a time where it's kind of... It's, where we face hostility and um, indifference. And so it's not easy. It's not easy being a Christian in the marketplace. Is that right? Okay, so those are some of the blockages that, and there are others, of course, like um, um, like just being just forgetting who we are, just forgetting that we are a a, um, a, drain, a drain pipe, and um, ones like unbelief, etc. But the good news is that there there is good news in a way that we can be effective as as conduits, as channels, as drain pipes for the love of God, for the life of God, for the characteristics of his kingdom to flow through us. And I want to share a few of those that will help the, the pipe become kind of more viscous. Is that, is that a good word? Viscous, a right word? In its nature, so that, the, so that the, the life of God flows through us. And the first one is loving people. Really love people. If you missed Misty's... If you missed, it's missed, if you missed Misty's message, you need, 
you need to go back and hear what Misty said. And, she, and it was a great message. And we need, to, we need to love people. We need to pray for people, even if they become distant from the message that we are sharing. I had a, a lunch with a guy a couple of uh, weeks ago who I'd been talking with over a period of, period of months, and I'd prayed for his partner, and, some, and a miracle had occurred, actually. And I thought through various... Uh, conversations we'd had, and through that event, he was actually getting closer to the kingdom. But as we talked, he just put the stop sign up, and he says, no, I'm not interested anymore. Uh, And he'd had a bad experience with the church years ago, and um, he just said, no way. But that hasn't stopped my friendship with him, and that hasn't stopped me praying for him. And, we're, and because, you know, you never know where he's going inside. You never know the stuff that's not being said, Okay. Pray for people. Always have time for people. And when, you've, when you're spending time with people, always leave them better than when you found them. It's a good thought, eh? Always leave people better than when you found them. And always look out for the interruptions of the day. I was going to say, make time for the interruptions of the day because they do happen. And, and the events of Jesus' life that captivate us are the events where he faced interruptions. And it wasn't part of his plan. You know, we don't, we don't hear about Jesus being the guest speaker at a youth event on the shores of Gal- Lake Camp Galilee or something like that. Or Jesus didn't wait for home group night before he prayed for people. I think Dean last week talked about Jesus on his way to pray for Jairus' daughter. It's when the thronging crowd was around him and a woman touched him of his garment, interrupted his journey. And yet that's what captivates us. And we know that's the heart of Jesus, to have time for people and be ready for your day to be interrupted and allow the Spirit of God to, to work in your heart, work in your mind. And what, is, what has God got for me in this situation? And remember, all that, is, all that has been driven by Jesus looking out upon the city of Jerusalem and, and, and having compassion in his heart because they were like sheep without a shepherd. All right, the second, the second point that really does help us is... <coughs> excuse me. Oh, my word. Can't cough with this microphone, can we? The second point that does help us... is that we need to allow God to use the pain in our life for good. And pain will, if we, if we allow God to turn the pain around, the grief and the loss and the heartache that we've, we've all felt, none of us here are without some sort of pain, some sort of loss, some sort of grief. We all sit there somewhere. But we have to allow God to take the pain and what we can potentially allow to be a shadow of our, over our life to shape us for good. Because no one wants to hear about Jesus from a grumpy person. And pain and sorrow, when we live in it, we can just become so terribly difficult all the time to listen to. You know, you know what I'm saying, eh? There are two things, that I've, the, the, two things that I've found helpful as I've had to work through this as well. One is found in Isaiah chapter 61, where the passage talks about how God takes our mourning and brings about dancing. And how God takes the spirit or a a garment or or a cloak of heaviness or despair or sorrow and and makes it 
a garment of praise. That's one thing. Turns around what is entirely negative and can actually destroy us and makes us something for good. And when you carry that, when you carry that in yourself, it makes a whole lot of difference to how you share your faith. And there is something about joy that is incredible. Look, see, I, because of the pain that we've been through, I can, I can laugh more and I can cry more than I ever did before. And that's not only when I look in the mirror. <laughs> but God does that, you know? And the second thing is this. It's in, it's in Psalm 84. And Psalm 84 tells the story of a guy on pilgrimage. And he goes through, he's on his way to the temple, but he goes through what's called the Valley of Bekar. And Bekar is a place of sorrow, it's a place of despair, it's, a, it's arid, there's no life. And he finds a well. It's a refreshing place that gives life. And not only does he find it for himself, but he leaves the well for another traveller who's following from behind. So when God refreshes you, make sure that the refreshment is not just for you. It's also for someone else. And your pain, and your walking through that, and what you've been able to receive from God by his Spirit will certainly help others who are working through uh, the same sort of stuff. <clears throat> Fourthly, or thirdly, be ready to engage with the events of the day. And this will help you. As, yeah, and remember that when we're talking about the, the life of God flowing through us and affecting the area of space that we have been given. And remember also that Jesus, when he gave the disciples the Lord's Prayer, which we, should, which we should really call the Disciples' Prayer. There's a line in there that goes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes we think that's just uh, a summons to God or we're invoking God to somehow co co cosmically do his work of the kingdom. You know, just bring it on, God, bring it on. But there's more to it than that. It's actually a commitment and it's an undertaking by us to be involved with him and bringing his life. And as I said, it's not just the spoken word, but you know, the, the, the New Testament church influenced the world in, a, in a, an incredibly um, dramatic way through four means. The spoken word, the miracles, that were, the, the miracles that were done by the apostles and by the people. Thirdly is the sense of community and the love that they had for each other that drew people in. And fourthly, by people serving their community. And those four years, like Dorcas, and I think in is it Acts chapter 9, where she, and where she served and she worked for the people in her community. Four ways that the Spirit of God or the life of God flows through the pipe and makes a difference in the world. So the, 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 I digressed a bit there, but the third issue is that the, we need to be ready to engage with the events of the day. I remember when I was growing up listening to a preacher who used to say, when, you took, when you're presenting the gospel... Always, always present it with the, lo with the evening paper in one hand and the Bible in the other. In other words, what we say, how we present, what we believe, needs to be relevant for the day. Nowhere more has this been as obvious as in the events of Christchurch. And Christians really have served, they've done well. But I have noticed a couple of comments that have come out which... Uh, incorrect. I've heard, I've heard people say, I've heard Christians say, oh look, um, 
that's great with our Muslim brothers and that, and that's good. And, 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 and I think there's, there's an affinity there that we have to uh, develop and nurture. But the, the, some, the comments have been, oh, listen, it's okay because we serve the same God. We, we, we actually worship the same God. Now, that's not true. You see, you could take, um, you could take Pete Muller. He's not here, so somebody's already taken him. But you could take, you could take Doug from down the back there and, and myself and put us up the back of the property. And from a distance, we might look very similar. But you take us back to close proximity and there's some marked differences, right? Now, from a distance, the God of Islam and the Christian God might look similar. But when you get us up close, when you get them up close and you begin to have an understanding and a concept of God, there's, there's a real difference. You see, the God of... The Christian faith and the Bible teaches us that God is a, our God is a relational God. He loves. He loves people unconditionally, universally, impartially. He's a God who just loves and loves. His love doesn't have to be earned. And he loves his enemies. He loves sinners. And yet the God of Islam is a selective. He has selective love. He loves those who love him, who have earned his love. A huge difference. And I'm going to read you a... Um, I've done a bit of reading by uh, listening to a guy called Shabir Akhtar, who's a Muslim scholar at the, scholar at the um, Oxford University. And he says this, is from the, from the mouth of a Muslim scholar. He says, Muslims do not see God as their father. Men are servants of a just master. They cannot, in orthodox Islam, typically attain any greater degree of intimacy with their creator. It's interesting, eh? And yet we have a relationship with a loving father. That takes me on to a, another point, which I think is a question that is raised since Christchurch, and, and of course it's been raised throughout the centuries. How can God, a loving God, allow this pain to happen? Now, we haven't got time this morning to look at pain and suffering and what's wrong with this world, other than to say, this is not what it's supposed to look like. The Hebrews have a word, Hebrew have a word called shalom. In some ways, that could be the kingdom of God, but it's perfect, it's perfect wholeness in all area of life. Each other, our relationship with, our, with, our, with, the, um, with the environment, each other with, with ourselves, and with God, obviously, himself. It's kind of the reconciliation of everything that was broken at the fall. And of course, if we've fallen, we must have fallen from somewhere. And so, it's not just original sin we consider, it's original goodness. Now, the reason I, I, I mention that is because it's one of the things that's come up as I've talked to people about the events of Christchurch. It's like, it's like God has designed this or, or, or written this fantastic, beautiful play, but due to necessity, he's, he's given the, the outworking of it to some stage manners, managers and some actors who have really mucked it up. And this is not the way it's supposed to be. If we were to go to a museum that perhaps Picasso's works of the blue period, you know, the early 1900s, where every, every, all of his work had that blue tinge. And had, if, um, 
vandals had got in dr- during the night and they had broken into this, this museum and, and um, sp- splashed red paint all over his, his works of art and slashed them with a knife. That would not be a true reflection, reflection of, of Picasso's work. And what we have today is not a true reflection of what this world's supposed to be. There's a better place coming, a new heaven and a new earth. I want to leave you with a thought. Well, not quite leave you yet, but there's a thought from Albert Einstein. And this has really helped me to think through some of this stuff, which I hope that if you ponder it and consider it over these coming weeks of how it works out for the relationships you have with non-church people, how it could really help some of your thinking. And he said that the greatest question, the most significant question that mankind can ask itself, and remember today, mankind are asking some pretty important questions, extraterrestrial stuff, how long has our planet got to, got to exist, how long have we got here, is it another 50 years or 100 years, Attenborough is, saying, is asking similar questions. Questions not only about our environment, but about how long can we last without blowing each other up um, internationally, is what's, what's kind of afoot there. But Einstein said the most important question that mankind can ask itself, and this is a question that's been echoed by philosophers since, is this. Is the universe a friendly place? Now you dig into that, You dig into that knowing that the centre of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, is a loving Father. This world is a friendly place. Behind it all, beyond it all, this world is centred with a loving Father. It is a friendly place. The last thing we need to do is pray. We need to pray for people that we're in contact with. Pray for people that we're coming in contact with. Pray that that our lives become clean and that any obstructions that 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 are that are there are removed. And that at the top of at the top of the pipe, that maybe just as you've seen perhaps leaf guard and a top of a down pipe, maybe we need to make sure that we've got a good protection at the top that stops any foreign matter getting inside the pipe that can cause tainting and discoloration of the goodness of the love of God coming through. Pray for yourself. Pray that you'll be clean, that you'll be pure, and that God's life will flow through you in a really neat way and affect the people that you come across and that you encounter every day of your life. Pray. This is how I see prayer. I look, I pray every morning. It's, that's the time when I pray. But I see prayer like this, is that have you ever dropped a pebble in a pond? and seen the ripples flow from the, from the place where you've dropped it, or dropped a stone in the lake. And often I, I see prayer just as dropping the stone in the lake. And then through the day, you can see the energy dispersed, and the, the ripples go out, and the lives that are touched, or things that have happened that you've prayed for actually occur. Now there's, a, there's another truth in there, and that is that when the pebble, or when the stone is dropped in the lake, it continues to fall through the water column. And once again, once it, when it falls, further energy is dispersed. And ripples are created under the surface of the water that you can't see, that I can't see. Be faithful in prayer because sometimes you see the ripples, but there are times when you don't see them. But God is still at work in his faithfulness, doing stuff that you can't see. 
empowering your life, bringing about his spirit to work with you in the encounters that you have. And the ripples continue to go even though this, when the stone is being dropped and you can't see what's happening. Is that right? Yeah. Cool. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for putting your life within us. Thank you for pouring it in. And, and as our brother over there suggested, it can overflow at the top. And let's just pray that it overflows enough for people to be around and captivated as well. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be clean and pure and for our lives to be soaked so much in you that we are fresh and free expressions of the goodness and the life of God. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.